Hey there. Welcome to Coffee with the Docs. We are a holistic lifestyle podcast where we give integrative solutions and bring brilliant experts to help you thrive. Mind, body, and spirit. We are doctors Nicole Huffman and Abby Kramer, and we're so happy you're here. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Coffee with the Docs. We have an episode today that Dr. Abby and I are super excited for moms-to-be, moms who have already had kids, even people who maybe are adults and are having like, Mm -hmm. you know, different symptoms and stuff that of things that aren't really making sense. Um, It's a topic that's really near and dear to our hearts. So we interviewed Dr. Jesse of Colorado Tongue Tie. He's a pediatric dentist. And it's all about oral restrictions, which are like the tongue ties, which is kind of like, I think the more common word that people might be more familiar with Mm -hmm. or lip ties. Um, And we just talk all about what they are and really honestly, why they're so important to get revised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This topic gets me so fired up because of my own experience of going through so many practitioners for like three weeks that all told me everything was fine. And it's like just a phase and blah, blah, blah to finally realizing like that was the problem. And then everything got so much better. And so I just think there's so much lack of education out there on this topic and it's so important. So I'm really excited to get this info out there. And like you said, even adults, like he talked about things like headaches and sleep apnea and snoring Mm -hmm. and um, like needing lots of orthodontic work, like right. chronic strep throat, like, oh my gosh, ADD. So many things can be linked back to those issues. So, you know, in both of our opinion, it's like an important thing to address, even if you're quote unquote fine, um, or even your child is, is supposedly fine and past that breastfeeding stage. It just can lead to so many issues down the line. Yeah. And I, And I've even for, you know, my breastfeeding journey too, which had gone so well from the get-go and we knew Asher was born with ties because you can see them when the babies cry, Mm -hmm. right? You can see their tongue and you can see the ties. And um, so both my midwives were like, oh yeah, he has ties, but his latch is great. So I just wouldn't do anything about them. And breastfeeding was great until it wasn't right. And I think- Breastfeeding can be so challenging for so many reasons anyways, but I feel like there's probably a lot of moms who don't do it and they have no idea it's because of restrictions and it could be fixed. I mean, I remember fixed. Yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking like I was exclusively pumping because that was all I could do. And I was like that when I go back to work, like this will end breastfeeding. Like yeah. there is no way this is sustainable, like middle of the night pumping, like what? It's insane, no, it's right? Awful. And so like, I'm so grateful we were able to find a provider and I just like stuck to my guns because I knew something was wrong. And so my heart goes out to all the moms that have had issues with this. Like, please share this with your pregnant friends, people that are expecting. This is such an important thing. I know like when we have another child, 
I will be taking them straight to a pediatric dentist, like the week <laughs> after they are born. Right. Yep. Yes, <laughs> Even if will. breastfeeding is going amazing. I don't care because yeah. like you've seen, you never know when things can change. Plus so many issues down the line. Right. And Dr. Jesse did an amazing job at really driving that point home in this episode too. Yeah, definitely. And I just feel like it's one of those things where the, I know for me personally, like I had heard your story and other people's stories and there's still that like, Oh, I don't want to take my baby to go get this procedure. Like you're correct. They're so new. It's not fun. Yeah. No, it's not fun. And then afterwards you do have to like continually stretch the tissue to make sure it doesn't regrow, but it is a blip in time for Mm -hmm all the benefits that it can provide in the peace of mind their life for like the rest of his life. You'll be like, I'm so glad we did that. Like, yes, yes. And it's such a, I mean, it's worth it to do when people are older as well, but it's such a non-invasive gentle procedure in comparison. Yes. Like if they're under three, like Dr. Jesse was saying. So if you're in that window and you're wondering if that's a thing, it's definitely worth going in for a consultation with someone. Yes, absolutely. So tune in and definitely let us know what you think. And our partner for this episode is Vervita. And we absolutely love their products. They are generally super safe and gentle and provide great benefits. I know one that I'm taking right now that I love is Calms. It's great for like just kind of winding down at the end of the day. Or if you, I wake up in the middle of the night to feed, then it's an easy one to just kind of take to like, mm-hmm. help me go back to sleep. Um, so I'm really digging that and immune harmony oil because yeah, I've been getting those daycare bugs. The last couple of months. And I feel like that's one that's helped me like Super get over times. them. Yeah. <laughs> like hadn't been sick in years. And now I'm like, oh, once a month, oh, this is great. Here we are. Yep. Um, so just like even to like diffuse in my office or um to put on my thumbs and my big toes, and just it makes your little cold or flu go by so much faster. So I love yep. their stuff. And I love too talking about um Dr. Jesse had mentioned. Um, you know, one of my main questions was why are so many children being born with tongue ties now? It seems like it's really escalated in the past, I don't know, 10 years. Right. And part of it is because we're becoming more aware of course, right? Like people now with the internet, you can research and find a bunch of moms who had a similar issue and they're like, oh, it was actually a tongue tie versus 20 years ago. It was just, well, you're just not meant to breastfeed, do formula. Right. So that's part of it. But Dr. Jesse pointed out because of toxins, because of epigenetic changes, et cetera, we're having more of these midline defects in babies that are born, which is what oral yes. restrictions are. Yes. And a lot of that comes down to methylation. So Inspiracel is a great product from Vervita that's good gentle methylation support that you can take and kids can take too. Yes. Yes. And I love that one too, just for like Inspire cells also awesome for, I find, I don't know about you, but I always find it muscle tests for people when they're having like sleep issues, like waking yeah, me up too. frequently. I say like, that all the time on Instagram and people are like, what? You have people take it at night? I'm like, yeah, all the B6 is like amazing. It's literally the only time I take it is at night. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's funny when it muscle tests, I'll be like, oh, you're not sleeping. Well, are you? And they're like, look at me like I'm a psychic. Uh, and I'm like, right. mm, 
Yep. It's inspire yourself. Inspire yourself for days. Told me your secret. Yep. So um, if you guys are interested in trying any other stuff, there is a link in the show notes that you guys can click on and check out all their things. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. We love your feedback. And of course, if you like it, share it with your mom friends. And we always appreciate reviews if they're five stars. So yes, um, please. Yeah. Thank you always for listening. Hey everyone, welcome to Coffee with the Docs. We are very excited. This is a topic that is near and dear to both Dr. Abby and I, as both of our babes have been through this. And so we are so excited to have Dr. Jesse with us today. Dr. Jesse, thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So before we get into everything, um, Let's go ahead and have you intro yourself to our audience. Just kind of tell everybody who you are and what you do. So I've been a pediatric dentist uh, for about 30 years now. And then the last five I have dedicated to just treating uh, tongue and lip ties. Um, It's way underdiagnosed, underappreciated. And so seeing that need, I... I opened up this practice called Colorado Tongue Tie. Um, but before that, so I've been treating them for about 12 years. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And we are happy that you do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Dr. Jesse, we always ask our guests the same first two questions that are just kind of fun to get to know you. So our first question, the name of our podcast is Coffee with the Docs. And so we want to know. I'm sorry, what is... I don't drink coffee. That's okay. This is why we ask? <laughs> oh, that's not the first question. Okay. What no, we want to know what is your current favorite drink of choice? Could be anything. Wow, first current uh, favorite drink of choice. That's tough. Um, I think it would range from a nice red wine to tequila or a hot chocolate. Oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Those are all that great choices. Perfect. Yes. And then the other question that we ask all of our guests is what is your latest biohack? And so this could be really just like anything that you like to do that's kind of s- simple that you feel like helps your health overall. Well, that's a great question because I've been on this struggle of health and it encompasses so many things. Um, from body to sleep. And I think that right now, the biggest area that I'm working on myself is with sleep apnea Mm. and the importance of nasal breathing. Mm. Um, James Nestor came out with his book, Breathe, which really- So good. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that I'm doing right now is mouth taping. Mm. Nice. And I've been doing that now for probably about six, seven years. Oh, wow. Huge huge difference. Did you find in the beginning, it made you like a little claustrophobic or was it like fine from the get-go? It was pretty much fine from the get-go. What I did, um, the way to do it is you start during the daytime when you're awake so that you're not just doing this for the first time at night. Right. Okay. Put a piece of tape over and then you'll fold it back or not go all the way so that if you are having a panic situation or something that you can get it off easily. 
Yeah. Start by doing it for 30 seconds, then three minutes, and then a half hour. And as you're comfortable, then now you're ready to transition to nighttime. Yeah. That's a good tip. That's great. Yeah, that's a great tip. Okay, cool. Amazing. All right. So let's get into it, Dr. Jesse. What are oral ties and why are they important? So we they're common terms like, you know, tongue tie, lip tie. We basically are lumping them into what we call restricted tethered oral tissues. So we have major seven major frenum or frenulums in the mouth, frenula for the plural. Um, we have upper lip, lower lip in the front. We have two on the sides, on each side. So cheek tongue on the left, two on the right, and then one under the tongue. The definition is if there, if it impedes function. So everybody has these frenulae, but only if function is now limited, is it now called restricted, tied, or pathological? Okay. Okay. And tell us a little bit more about maybe what it would look like if these are causing a restriction. So the misconception is that this is just a nursing issue Hmm. or that this is maybe just speech. Um, But these are really, they cause lifelong problems. Hmm. And so that's the whole point. And the problem is it goes under the radar. Currently, like our medicine, I mean, these restrictions are not taught in medical school, dental school, residency, lactation programs, speech programs. So there's a lot of myths floating around, mostly from three generations where formula has been superior to breast milk. Um, It's like, why would you breastfeed? But now we know that that's not true, that breast milk is superior uh, to uh, formula. Although if a mother is having trouble and she needs to use formula, perfectly fine. But we also know the mechanics of breastfeeding are different than that from a bottle. So if I can take you on a story, um, that'll kind of, you know, illustrate it. But so the early on, because of all those myths, the whole focus is on weight gain and function gets pushed to the side. So we focus on function and the biggest issue that they cause is in growth and development of the craniofacial respiratory complex, the head, face, and airway. They can affect nursing, transition to solid speech, sometimes yes, sometimes no, but that airway and the musculoskeletal system are always going to be involved. So let's look at um, the first thing that we'll do is look at latch. And we're going to talk, you know, largely about the lip. Then we're going to talk about the uh, tongue, the formation. And then we'll talk about the rest of the airway formation and then the other things. Right. Okay, so with latch, to get a good latch, the babies need to open wide. That top lip needs to flare all the way up to the nose. That way they can get the mother in deep enough and get lips sealed passively on the breast. If there's a restriction, and again, that's what we prefer to call it, because with a tie, it makes it seem like it has to be tied all the way down. Again, the definition Mm -hmm. is if it impedes function. So if there is a restriction, they're going to tend to slide to a shallow latch. A shallow latch is the second sign that your latch is problematic, regardless of weight gain. Mm -hmm. Now there's a tendency for the the babies to... 
um, start chomping down on, or come down on mom's nipples. This can cause uh, blanching, flattening, creasing, lipstick shape, pain, damage, but not always. And I think this is what makes it so hard and confusing. You would think if you have a condition, you're supposed to see certain symptoms, but it's the baby symptoms and the mother. So it's, a, it's, a, it's the dyad. And for example, if a mother has a heavy letdown, an oversupply, or she's like a fire hose, those babies um, are drinking instead of sucking. She may never experience any of it. Mm. And then it's the maternal hormones that drive that uh, milk production for about the first three months. And then it's up to the babies to suck. So sometimes they'll say, oh, look, they're gaining weight. Everything's fine, but they're missing the underlying problem. And then all of a sudden, around three, four months, the milk supply starts to tank. Symptoms show up. And mothers are commonly told various things like, um, uh, you went back to work. You started pumping. You're not drinking mm-hmm. enough water. Your baby's not meant to breastfeed, which that one blows my mind. Yeah. All these things, and it's just the physiology. Your baby's a lazy eater. Babies are not lazy eaters. They're programmed to feed. Mm -hmm. So with that shallow latch, they're going to tend to uh, use their lips now to hold on. They're going to hold on for dear life. Mm -hmm. That's going to cause friction. And then we'll see a lip callus or nursing blister. And they're commonly told, oh, look how well your child is is sucking. You can see that. They're not meant to. It's meant to just be passive on the breast. And so with that shallow latch, they're going to tend to swallow air, which tends to make them extra gassy, refluxy, sometimes colicky, and commonly you'll see milk dribbling out. The Mm -hmm. problem is a lot of these symptoms are common, but common doesn't mean normal. And if you don't know the difference, they just assume it's normal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Breach, Dr. Jesse. (laughs) Fired up. (laughs) This is so good. Oh, it does. It's it's become a passion for me because I've suffered from an undiagnosed tongue time my whole life. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I started studying tongue in the airway that I diagnosed it. And I had mine done six years ago. Wow. Once you see the effects, you can't unsee them. Yeah. And yep. So that's why I got tired of fighting and playing this game. And we just decided to open the app, uh, Colorado Tongue Tie. I can't believe you had your own personal one done too. Like, I feel like most adults would be like, oh, it's fine. And it sounds scary to do as an adult. So I don't know. Kudos to you for getting yours done. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, it gets to this drive of wanting to be healthy as you, um, I'm not going to say that I'm old, but I'm certainly maybe past that, uh, some of that prime, but then your body just doesn't hold up the same way. And then you start wanting to focus on, well, then how do I get that back? How do I get healthy? Mm-hmm. And so, so then when we look at the tongue now, uh, the old myth, and you'll commonly hear this, is, oh, they're, they can't be tied because they're sticking their tongue out. Mm. Sticking their tongue out is really meaningless, what we're really looking for is the mid to back portion of that tongue has to guide the mother up to the roof of the mouth, seal off, and then drop down to create suction like a pump. So it's got to do a wave-like motion following the roof of the mouth to move the liquids and solids back and in the back uh, also for, um, for speech, etc. 
So if they're tied at or near the tip, you can see those they are not going very far. They'll get picked up more often. Not a lot, but more often. Mm -hmm. When they're tied further back, you don't see them. They can stick the tongue in and out, lift it, but the back can't elevate. Mm -hmm. And that's the key difference. Um, so we, like on my website, I have all these symptoms to look for, for a nursing mother, you know, whether it's uh, the shallow latch, clicking, gagging and choking, um, falling asleep during feed. So that all these things are going to be, can be impacted. Um, but the key, is, we were talking about that tongue going up in the back. The tongue is one of the strongest muscles in the body. All throughout development, in utero and on, that tongue is supposed to sit up in the high up in the palate. That pressure causes the jaws to widen, those palatal shelves to roll over and drop down. So we get a broad, gentle arch. So when I see a narrow, high palate, I know the tongue isn't resting high up where it should be. It's being held down. Mm. And these are genetic. So when one child has it, it's more likely others will too. And we'll look at, uh, you know, parents, aunts, uncles, great grandparents, you know, someone else has it. And yeah. I guess that's part of the misconception um, is how common these are. If we look at textbooks um, in studies, they say four to 10%. Uh, they were only looking at the ones you can see. Mm -hmm. And even still, that's not even close to where they're diagnosing. Yeah. Um, they're saying now that we understand the function, it's maybe closer to about 30%. So it's very, very common. And I guess they think, well, if it's common, you know, we should have known about it. Yeah. That's a, that was one of my questions is, it seems like to me, is it really just that people are becoming more aware or it seems like to me more and more babies are being born with ties? So it's actually a combination. Yeah. If we look anthropologically, we know that these were out there. There's mention of it in the Bible. There's mention of it in the oldest medical text that we have, which is from Japan from 1150 oh. BC. Wow. We have surgical instruments from the 1600s. So it's been there. But what seems to happen is there's a huge increase starting around the 1700s, which coincides with the Industrial Revolution. And we used to be in agrarian societies. Now we're living in cities. There's different chemicals and toxins. So the thought is that these are epigenetic changes, meaning mm -hmm. it's not changes to the genes, but different genes are being turned on and off. Mm. And that's why we're seeing so much. So midwives used to have one long pinky nail. Yeah. And babies were born, they would slice it. Because if you couldn't feed your baby or there wasn't a wet nurse in your village, your baby died. Yeah. So right. now genes aren't being passed on. Well, flash forward to late mm -hmm. 1800s, we start developing bottles and then formula comes out. And now they can control those things. Yeah. And of course it was, you know, viewed as superior so um we're we're having more people survive and now it's there's a whole swing back toward breastfeeding so we're becoming much more aware of it mm -hmm. and i think another big thing is the internet you now have no longer have to rely on just your pediatrician yep or your mom or a couple of friends for your information, you now can hear what other people are going through. Mm -hmm. And I think that's spreading the word a lot too. 
so helpful. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah, definitely. So aside from painful nursing, which is um, like, why would someone suspect that their child has these restrictions? Great question. So we'll see um, feeding issues, speech issues. Um, And so I guess if we look at the development of the tongue, so the tongue and the mouth start developing around four weeks after conception. Wow. And through a process called apoptosis or pre-programmed cell death, those cells dissolve back to kind of carve out and create the floor of the mouth and the tongue. The problem is something happens and it stops partway. There's an artificial landmark they've come up with. If it stops in front, those are the ones you can see. They'll get called anterior ties. Further back, they're called posterior ties. But the names are arbitrary. It's a continuum of that whole process coming back, and it ends with a tendon-like stalk. So parents are commonly told, oh, there's a tie, but it'll stretch, or they'll outgrow it. Tendons don't stretch. Mouths and faces will grow, and that will tend to compensate. But compensation is not proficiency. And that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never outgrow these, our faces and bodies grow into them. So then the next major thing is that tongue is connected to bone in our throat, uh, the hyoid. And if it's great, if it's all the way in the back, but if it's a little bit forward, it's going to hold that tongue back into the airway space. And that's the whole key part of this. Mm-hmm. So we think this is probably one of the major reasons we're seeing so much sleep apnea and breathing issues like upper airway resistance syndrome. So from that, now you have everything that's small. So you can't, we're supposed to only breathe in and out of our noses. It's gonna filter the air, warm, humidify, release gases for oxygenation. And if you see a child who's a mouth breather, right Mm -hmm. off the bat, you know that there is a problem. Mm-hmm. They're, yep. they're not able to, um, to oxygenate well. And um, so sometimes now tonsils and adenoids will take that up and sometimes they'll become so enlarged and inflamed they take them out. But you're treating the symptom, not the problem, which is the inability to breathe through the nose, the symptoms commonly return. And without that tongue up there to help the whole face develop, I know these kids are gonna need orthodontics and commonly they're gonna need palatal expanders. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So now let's say uh, with feeding. So it's it's the solids from six months to about three years old. It's the back of our tongue that moves the bolus of food around. If it can't lift and move, then they may struggle. Sometimes we'll see where they may chew and chew and chew and then spit food out, or they may pocket food in their cheeks. Um, they'll tend to be slower eaters in general um, because it takes that much more effort to move the food around. Sometimes, uh, since they can't chew it well, they need food cut up small so they can, without, with minimum chewing, they can swallow it. And some mm-hmm. of those kids then now, those will be fast eaters because they're just swallowing. They're not taking time to chew. You may see where they may avoid chewy foods like steak, mm-hmm. yep. things that go everywhere. And then, I, say, I think a lot of kids with sensory issues, like they only want like purees or different, you know, like textures and stuff like you're saying they have a huge aversion to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If they're starting to gag and choke, um, let's say so the tongue is supposed to come all the way up and seal off to the palate 
and drop down to create suction for the nursing, for the suck, swallow, breathe. If it can't get all the way up to the palate to seal it off, they're going to tend to gag and choke. Mm. So they're going to learn these aversions and become texture sensitive. I'm not saying that's, there's not other reasons for becoming, you know, having sensory issues or things like that. But this is certainly one um, that is an easily uh, corrected one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Nice. So let's talk about the procedure tongue tie revision. What does that look like for people? Is it painful? <clears throat> so as a typical dentist, I have the typical dentist response. It won't hurt me at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it actually is it does the for, there's two types of procedures we do one is the phrenectomy which is where we're taking that tissue and releasing it back to where it should be yeah but most of our cranial facial growth and development is done by four so after that we are now doing a different procedure called a functional frenuloplasty where we have to do that part and then we also have to remove the fascia that's mm. uh, holding it and keeping our whole body forward in position so with the phrenectomy, um, it, de it's, it depends on how one does it. So commonly what happens, uh, you'll see a lot of scissor clips. And what mm -hmm. we think of it like that area under the tongue, like the sail on a boat. You have the sail portion in front and that tendon-like stalk is the mast. Mm -hmm. The sail portion has no nerves and blood vessels. So they'll commonly go in there and scissor clip it. Now the front of the tongue can move. Um, but the back can't elevate still. So 70% of mothers will show an improvement in breastfeeding, 30% won't, mm. but they've only done a partial release and mm -hmm. that doesn't hurt at all. So then now the question, if you take it back all the way there, I think with scissors, it can be a little bit uncomfortable later mm -hmm. on. There's different types of lasers. Not all lasers are created the same. Some use what's called a, a hot laser, which is a glass rod where you char the tip and then you're using it like a hot poker to melt the tissue. That's painful during, it's painful after, and they're, they're more likely to reattach. We yeah. use what's called a cold laser. It's a CO2 laser. It truly vaporizes the tissue and cauterizes as it goes. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't hurt. And I know it doesn't because when I had mine done, yeah. I wanted to know what it was like. So we, we don't typically... Uh, anesthetize the babies, we would put like topical anesthetic. So that's yeah. what I did. I didn't do any local anesthetic. And I admit, I don't have the highest pain threshold. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that, <laughs> but it didn't hurt at all. And that's, okay. and then afterwards, now it's going to come down to the baby's um, pain threshold. I have some that take one dose of Tylenol or none. They're perfectly fine. Others mm -hmm. that need it around the clock for weeks. But I would say most mm. common is probably wow. like fussiness for two days, yep. maybe up to four or five. So, yeah. yeah, the procedure itself doesn't hurt. It's just, you know, after, you know, several hours later of how the body responds. Yeah, the healing afterward. Yep. Yeah, I know we used um, homeopathy that actually um, Dr. Abby had given me from her procedure, which then I had. Uh, showed you later. And I would say Asher was really mad for like two hours. And then after that, he was completely fine. Yeah. I mean, it was Ours great. Was like, 
nothing. It was just so everything was so much better. Like she was happier because she could actually nurse. Yeah. And that's so I'm probably not the best subject because people ask me, I'm like, no, it's just amazing. (laughs) And they're like, what? I know some people struggle more. And I was like, no, no pain. Everything's perfect. (laughs) That's the majority. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the nice thing is right after because the lip and the cheek ties, if they're there, they're physical barriers. They can immediately open wider, get that tongue to lift up, and they can get a deeper latch. And the tongue is neural. They start swallowing around 20 weeks in utero. Most of the time, once they can get that deeper latch, they'll actually kind of pick up on that. They may need some help here and there, um, but most of the time it'll go pretty well. It's so interesting. I remember you telling me that, that they start doing that 20 weeks in utero and we had, we had Asher's ties done at five weeks. And I know Abby, you had Quinn's done much earlier and it almost seems like because all of this starts developing 20 weeks in utero and sooner, it's like, it's like the sooner, the better after they're born to get this done. Right. Absolutely. Um, The longer it goes, the more these habits become entrenched. And we also are counting on certain uh, reflexes to kind of help retrain. Mm -hmm. So like they have that suck reflex for about the first three months. So that makes it really easy for them because they're going to want to just go in and suck. After that, it can be a little bit more difficult. Right. And I guess one of the things to say is a lot of people think this is a magic treatment. Just do the release and then all of a sudden everything's great. Um, while that happens sometimes, we really need to have a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need a lactation consultant who's knowledgeable about uh, tongue and lip ties. So they know what impacts there are and then how to re- rehabilitate it afterwards. And then we also need a knowledgeable body worker. Um, that can be like a chiropractor, a craniosacral therapist, osteopath, or physical therapist, etc. But when we're developing in utero, um, we tend to be flexed forward over. And <clears throat> when we develop ties, the, it tends to change the angle that the spine enters the skull. So it's rotated down. And we have all that fashion, which is like a spider web of dense connective tissue. And it doesn't let everything release. Mm. And so that's why we highly, highly recommend that this has to be a group effort if we really want to get all the results that we, that the baby can achieve. And just on that too, I just found it really fascinating because when when Asher was born, we saw the ties immediately. And I was privy to that there, you know, can be oral restrictions from Abby's experience. And my midwives were like, oh, he's nursing fine. So just don't worry about it. And I still, you know, it was really weighing on me. And at two weeks, I called a different pediatric dentist because I hadn't heard of you yet. And they were like, oh, there's no pain nursing. We won't even see him. And I was like, wow, you know, this is really interesting. And then, so it, and then at five weeks, it was like a light switch. Like it all of a sudden was painful, super painful. And I had heard about you from a different midwife because my actual midwife said that she wouldn't recommend doing it because the aftermath can be brutal, which, and I'm just 
thinking about like all the bad information you get, <laughs> even when you already know about ties yeah. and res- oral restrictions. Right. And so it's-, it's like both of us went through that. Like I went through four lactation consultants and a supposed pediatric expert, whatever that means. And all were like, my daughter's huge, super chunky. Just like you said, Dr. Jesse, they're like, well, she's fine. And I'm like, well, she's not. And it was like, I finally just went straight to a pediatric dentist. I was like, screw this. I know something's wrong or I'm not going to be able to continue breastfeeding. Like, that's just how it's going to go. And I think in my opinion, it's just people aren't informed. Like if everyone heard this hour long discussion on how important it is, I think their views would change. But it's just all those old school mentalities of like, if the baby's gaining weight, if check, check all those boxes, they're sleeping okay, like there's no reason to do a procedure. I just find a lot of even like more holistic providers are really against tie revisions, which to me is unfortunate because the downstream effect is so huge. I'm like a little procedure when they're weeks old for the rest of their life, them to have like good palate formation and breathing patterns. And it's just like a no brainer to me. It gets to the the problem, uh, the fundamental root, which is we don't mm-hmm. really have a healthcare system. We have a disease management system. So we're going to wait for any issues to show up before yeah. we're going to even look at things. When, you know, I mean, I kind of like to use the analogy in dentistry. So it's like, you know what? You don't need to go to the dentist until you, until you start having pain. You right. don't need to do cleanings. I mean, we spend all of our time working on prevention. Um, and so when you think of it in that terms, it makes no sense that if you Correct. see the problem, no, if you understand where things can go, why you don't treat this now, because some of the other things we'll see sleep problems, um, behavioral problems. I, if I can put a little plug out here, this is not for me, but there's an excellent video that was done called Finding Connor Deegan. D-E-E-G-A-N. And it's this mother's quest to for the problems that her she's going with her son with all kinds of behavioral issues and told all along the line all these different things. And then finally, when the problem gets solved, it's just, it's, you know, brings you to tears. Aww. But it, 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 it affects our ability to sleep and not getting, um, you know, good quality sleep, regenerative sleep, you're sleep deprived, you can't learn as well. So there's studies showing cognition is lowered. Mm-hmm. Um, this leads to a lot of musculoskeletal problems that we see in adolescents and adults like neck pain, back pain, headaches, migraines, TMJ problems. Um, we'll see misdiagnosis of ADHD because of the sleep deprivation. So yeah, this isn't just a little thing it really impacts down the road. Look how many people are having sleep apnea these days. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Wow. It's it's really unbelievable. And so when the after, I would say the aftermath kind of to what my midwife had said was like, oh, it's, you know, it can be brutal. So we just don't recommend doing it. And I was like, oh my gosh, to what Abby said, like it's a cup, it's some weeks afterwards for the rest of their life. But what does it usually involve that? What is the home care afterwards? So first 
is recognizing that you have a complete release and you have to see a diamond shaped wound. If there's no mm -hmm. wound, the, there's no need to do any stretches because that's just an incomplete release. So when you do have that diamond shaped wound with that tongue, it wants to just lay down on the floor of the mouth. It's real um, prone to reattach. So we need to be stretching that tongue and, and lifting it up so that it doesn't know. Babies are growing so fast. We need to do this five times a day. We need to not go more than six hours or it will. As they get older into adults, like things, yeah, we can do less. Um, now, it's all a lot of how you approach it, especially with the, with the infants. They are smart. And we don't think so. We forget that sometimes. But <laughs> if all you do are go in there and do those stretches, they're going to figure that out pretty quickly. And it's going to be a six-week challenge. But if you go and play around in there and just make a fun game of, of touching the mouth and massaging and, and making noises, and you do that for like a minute and a half to two minutes, and then you do the stretch, which are five seconds each, yeah, they're gonna, they are going to fuss for the first couple of days, maybe up to a week. But then after that, we're like, yeah, whatever. So, you know, they just get over it. Yeah. And the other thing is doing them long enough. Like I was originally trained three weeks and tapered down. But we were seeing you know, babies coming back, you know, 12 weeks later, you know, a couple months, and they're reattached, and it was why. So then look into uh, healing. So that wound will close, that diamond-shaped wound will close in 10 to 14 days. But whenever you cut soft tissue, wants to contract or shorten, that starts at two weeks and goes till six weeks. So that's why we recommend the six weeks. And with that, we're seeing very little reattachment. At yeah. that point, but I think uh, it was higher. And I, we, when I talk to other people, they also have much higher rates. So it's doing yeah. long enough. Now, Dr. Jesse, would you say like any new mom with a newborn should go see a pediatric dentist like yourself, issues or not, and get checked? Well, the problem is not all pediatric dentists are, are knowledgeable. Yeah, correct. And so, <clears throat> um, there are resources out there. I know there's, uh, well, I guess I never give parenting advice except one thing. You as mothers have um, mother's intuition. If something doesn't seem right, no matter how many people are telling you, you just mm -hmm. keep pursuing it. But look at what the common symptoms are that, uh, you know, for the lip or tongue ties, and does your child have it, you know, is your latch shallow is, I mean, certainly if it's painful, the nipple should be way back at the junction of the hard and soft palates, not involved. If they have a shallow latch, they're going to be coming down. I mean, that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. um, it's not something that it's supposed to hurt. And you have to work through. Um, yeah. And so if you're having any of these issues, find somebody who, uh, is knowledgeable in diagnosing. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say like for me, just for any moms listening, um, Facebook groups were like an amazing resource for me. So we lived in Illinois at the time. There's a whole Facebook group. It's full of moms called like Illinois lip and tongue tie. And they have like a list of like, you know, providers in a hundred mile radius that are like do CO laser that are like really specialized in that area. And that was a breath of fresh air when I found those groups. Cause you know, all these people were telling me 
no, you're fine. And then it's like, no, here's this whole group of people that have experienced a similar thing. So. Right. And I would say it's supposed to be that each um, state has their own group on Facebook, although I've seen some lapses there, but yeah, looking that up through Facebook, there's another one called airway circle. Hmm. um, And they can also help you find knowledgeable people. That's great. And how would you, because I know when we went and saw you that you had said, um, I won't name the other pediatric dentistry I called uh, that turned me away before they even saw me, but um, that you actually have had to revise a lot of the babies and kids who had come from from them. So, geez, these poor parents who now are like, and the baby, of course, going through it all over again. So are there, you know, for people who obviously... I think, and Abby has said this before too, like people travel out of state all the time to go see somebody who knows what they're doing. But are there certain things to look for in a provider if someone's thinking about doing this? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Some of the, the first thing that I would want to know is what kind of, like, how are they releasing it? And if they are using, like most pediatric dentists will be using a laser. And if they are, what kind of laser is it? You want a CO2 laser. These are specifically designed for the soft tissue. Um, and you don't want that diode. That's the, the hot poker. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that, um, I would say, how many have they done? What courses have they taken? Um, because I think what, what tends to happen is that the laser companies will sell the laser. They'll show them how to do the phrenectomies and they'll learn some basics on how to do it. But then that's it. Mm-hmm. And they're not really learning how to diagnose. And just as important it is to know um, how to t- treat, it's to know when to treat because sometimes with these babies, they're not ready for it. Their bodies aren't ready. And they need to have some of that body work first or they can go backwards. So, you know, that's just kind of have that in the back of your mind, but knowing, you know, what kind of laser, um, how many, how many do they do? Um, And what courses have they taken? I think, you know, what's, what's their training? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I kind of want someone, which is what I like sought out and same as you, Dr. Nicole, that like all day long, they're doing those revisions. Like that's more of their specialty. Yeah, definitely. Um, right. Yeah, because I was thinking too, sorry, one last little comment, because I know some dentists don't even actually even look at the buckle ties. And I know at least Asher needed all four done. And so you don't want to be going through all that and then like missing half the picture either. So just, you know, making sure that somebody is asking about all of them and really aware of all of that too, I think is really important. Right. You want to, you know, um, and I guess tip offs is look to see how they do the exam to do a proper exam. They have to be laying flat. If they're in a car seat or in the parent's arms, that changes the dynamics of everything. And you can't really Mm -hmm. properly diagnose. Um, Are they getting in and and looking at the tissues or they just, yeah, yeah, it looks like, okay. You know, you've got to lift and feel the lips and tongues. Now, if somebody doesn't pick up on the buckles, you know, the cheek ones, I get that because you can see them or not see them, but 
that's a lot influenced by that upper lip mm -hmm. and you really don't know what's happening there until that lip is released. Right. I remember mm -hmm. you saying that, like you would look at the lip, see what's happening and then assess if you need to do the, yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Amazing. All right, Dr. Jesse, where, talk to us about your practice. Where can people find you? What's your website? So it's our <clears throat> the name of the practice is Colorado Tongue Tie and coloradotonguetie.com. We're in North Denver. We're on uh, Harlan Street, right on the corner of I-70, which is between Sheridan and Wadsworth in a tall building there. Um, and then, yeah, our whole practice is just dedicated to lip and tongue tie releases. Um, So uh, commonly we'll, with, uh, it's a little bit different maybe with babies and adults. When we do, we'll do the exam and we allow time because commonly once parents learn of this and especially when they're struggling, they wanna do the procedure right away. They mm -hmm. don't wanna have to wait and come back another week or two. So we allow time to do the procedure, but there's absolutely no pressure. And if somebody just wants to consult, totally fine. And yeah. there's a lot of information we have on the website as far as helping to figure out what symptoms and how things are going. Yeah, I know. At your consult was great. And then I was like, take the child, go do it now. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yes, yes, please. Absolutely. Take him away. All right. Well, but thank one, Oh, go ahead. But one book that I can point out that I think is really good is called Tongue Tied by Dr. Richard Baxter. And what's nice about his book, I mean, there's quite a few people that have written books, but he wrote it with lactation consultants, feeding therapists, speech therapists, chiropractors, myofunctional therapists, each with their, with, uh, with their perspective and research to back it up. So it's cool. a great starter if somebody wants more in-depth information. No, that's great. That's great. Well, we just are so appreciate you being on and talking about this because we both became pretty passionate about it just through our own little journeys and talking to different providers and people. So thank you so much for your time today and educating everybody on this. You're very welcome. My pleasure. You guys are awesome. I'm just thrilled to be here. Thank The statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the FDA. Information provided here and products recommended or sold on coffeewiththedocs.com and or our podcast are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information provided by this site and or by this podcast is not a substitute for a face-to-face -face consultation with your physician and should not be construed as medical advice of any sort. By using any of this information or reading it, you are accepting responsibility for your own health and health decisions and expressly release Dr. Nicole Huffman and Dr. Abby Kramer and its partners and guests from any and all liability whatsoever, including that arising from negligence.